Om Namo Narayanaya, welcome back. Thank you for coming to the second of three videos of these Fetasvatara Upanishad. Please do not hesitate to comment down below, like, share, subscribe, debate, argue, put references in, pri uh, private email me, um, Facebook me, Instagram me, anything. Feel free to do it. I would love to hear from you. And, yeah, let's dive on into this. Very much looking forward to verses, uh, sorry, uh, parts three and four, because the first two parts, as in the last video, were oh, just ah, luscious. It is the self-same one who exists alone at the time of creation and dissolution of the universe that assumes manifold powers and appears as the divine lord by virtue of his inscrutable power of maya. He it is that protects all the worlds and controls all the various forces working therein. Those who realize this being become immortal. He who protects and controls the worlds by his own powers, he, Rudra, is indeed one only. There is no one beside him who can make him second. He is present inside the hearts of all beings. After projecting and maintaining all the worlds, he finally withdraws them into himself. Through God, the creator of heaven and earth is one only, yet heaven is the real owner of all the eyes, faces, hands, and feet in the universe. It is heaven who inspires them all to do their respective duties in accordance with the knowledge, past actions, and tendencies of the various beings with whom they appear to be associated. May heaven who created the gods and supports them, who is the origin also of the cosmic soul, who could first bliss and wisdom on the devotees, destroying their sins and sorrows, and punishing all breaches of law. May heaven, the great seer, and lord of all, endow us with good thoughts. O Lord, who blesses all creatures by revealing the Vedas, deign to make us happy by thy calm and blissful self, which roots out terror as well as sin. Revealer of the Vedic truths, deign to make propitious that arrow which thou honest in thy hand for shooting at somebody. O protector of devotees, do not destroy that benign personal form of thine which has manifested as the universe. Higher than this personal Brahma is the infinite supreme Brahma who is concealed in all beings according to their bodies and who, though remaining single, envelops the whole universe. Knowing him to be the Lord, one becomes immortal. I have realized this great being who shines effulgent like the sun beyond all darkness. One passes beyond death only on realizing him. There is no other way of escape from the circle of birth and death. There is not higher than or different from him, not greater or minute than him. Rooted in his own glory, he stands like a tree, one without a second and immovable. By that being, the whole universe is filled. That being is far beyond this world, is formless and free from misery. They who know this become immortal, but all others have indeed to suffer misery alone. Therefore that divine Lord, being all-pervading, omnipresent and benevolent, dwells in the hearts of all beings, and makes use of all faces, heads, and necks in this world. This self is indeed the mighty Lord. He is the imperishable eternal light that controls everything. He guides the intellect of all beings so as to enable them to gain the extremely pure state of mukti. 
assuming a form of the size of a thumb by virtue of intellect emotion and imagination and will the infinite being dwells in the hearts of creatures as their inner self those who realize this become immortal that infinite being has a thousand heads a thousand eyes and a thousand feet enveloping the whole universe on all sides he exists beyond ten fingers that which is that which was and that which is yet to be all this is nothing but the infinite being Though he grows beyond his own nature into the form of the objective universe, he still remains the lord of immortality. With hands and feet everywhere, with eyes, heads, and mouths everywhere, with ears everywhere, that exists, pervading everything in this universe. They realize him as shining by the functions of all senses, yet without the senses of the lord of all, the ruler of all, the refuge of all, and the friend of all. It is he who resides in the body the city of nine gates. He is the soul that sports in the outside world. He is the master of the whole world, animate and inanimate. Without hands and feet he goes fast and grass. Without eyes he sees. Without ears he hears. He knows whatever is to be known, yet there is none who knows him. They say he is the foremost, the great infinite being. Subtler than the subtlest and greater than the greatest, the Atman is concealed in the heart of the creature. By the grace of the Creator one becomes free from sorrows and desires and then realizes him as the great Lord. I know this undecaying, prime, evil, imminent self of all who is omnipresent because of his all-pervasiveness and whom the expounders of Brahman declare to be eternally free from birth. Thus ends part three. Part four. May that divine being, who thou himself colorless, gives rise to various colors in different ways with the help of his own power, for his own inscrutable purpose, and who dissolves the whole world in himself, in the end, may he endow us with good thoughts. That itself is the fire, that is the sun, that is the air, that is the moon, that is also the starry firmament, that is the Brahman, that is the waters, that is the Prajapati. Thou art the woman, thou art the man, thou art the youth and the maiden too. Thou art the old man who totters along leaning on the staff. Thou art born with faces turned in all directions. Thou art the dark blue butterfly, the green parrot with red eyes. Thou art the thundercloud, the seasons, and the oceans. Thou art without beginning and beyond all time and space. Thou art he from whom all worlds are born. There is a single female of red, white, and black colors who is unoriginated and who produces numerous offspring resembling herself. By her side lives one unborn male out of attachment for her, while another male also unoriginated forsakes her after having enjoyed her. Two birds of beautiful plumage, who are inseparable friends, reside on the self-same tree. Of these, one eats the fruits of the tree with relish, while the other looks on without eating. Sitting on the same tree, the individual soul gets entangled and feels miserable, being deluded on account of his forgetting his divine nature. When he sees the other, the Lord of all, whom all devotees worship, and realizes that all greatness is his, then he is relieved of his misery. Of what avail are the Vedas to him who does not know? that indestructible highest ethereal being in whom the gods and the Vedas reside, only those who know that are satisfied. The Lord of Maya projects the Vedas, sacrifices, spiritual practices, past and future, religious observances, all that the Vedas declare, and the whole world including ourselves. The other, again, is bound by Maya in this. Know then that the nature is Maya, and that the great God is the Lord of Maya. The whole world is filled with beings who form his parts. One attains infinite peace in realizing that self-effulgent, adorable Lord, the bestower of beings who 
the one presides over all the various aspects of Prajapati, and in whom this universe dissolves, and in whom it appears in manifold forms. May he, who created the gods and supports them, who witnessed the birth of the cosmic soul, who confers bliss and wisdom on the devoted, destroying their sins and sorrows, and punishing all breaches of law, may he, the great seer and the lord of all, endow us with good thoughts. Let us offer our worship with oblations to that blissful divine being who is the lord of the devas, who governs the bipeds and the quadrupeds, and in whom the world rests. One attains infinite peace when one realizes the blissful one who is subtler than the soulless, who creates the world in the midst of chaos, who assumes various forms, and who is the only one that encompasses the universe. He alone is the protector of the world at the proper time. He is the lord of the universe hidden in all creatures. In him the divine sages and gods merge themselves. Realizing him thus, one cuts asunder the fetters of death. One is released from all fetters and realizing the blissful one who encompasses the world and who hides himself in all beings in an extremely subtle form as the essence finer than ye. This divinity who created the universe and pervades everything always dwells in the hearts of creatures being finitized by emotions, intellect, will, and imagination. Those who realize this become immortal. When ignorance is dispelled, there is neither day nor night, neither being nor non-being. There is only that auspicious one who is imperishable, and who is worthy of being adored by the Creator. From him has proceeded the ancient wisdom. No one can grasp him, or across, or in the middle. There is none equal to him whose name is Great Glory. His form does not stand within the range of senses. No one perceives him with the eye. Those who know him through the faculty of intuition as thus seated in their heart become immortal. Some, being afraid, approach thee, thinking that thou art the unborn, O Drudra, Tain to protect me with that benevolent face of thine. Injure us not in respect of children, grandchildren, and life, nor in respect of cows and horses. Do not destroy our heroes in thy anger, O Rudra. We invoke thee always with our friends. Thus ends part four. And he just went in such new directions here. There was a couple things I wanted to comment on. Rudra. Yes, this is Rudra. This is talking about Rudra. And you can tell that because at one point, early in the reading, it mentions he has arrows. And Rudra is famous for his arrows. Um, if you go earlier into this channel, you'll actually find uh, an excerpt from one of the Vedas. Uh, and it is a, a call to Rudra, Rudra. It's a prayer to Rudra. And it talks extensively about shooting those arrows. Now, today we don't really talk about the god Rudra. Rudra and Vishnu and Krishna, they've all become sort of one creature. I won't go into that history, but in this context it is referring, it is referring to Rudra. There was something else here I thought was really cool. It, it said that, uh, oh, where was it? Basically that all the, everything in this world is part of him and he uses all the, um, ah, here it is. Yet heaven is the real owner of all the eyes, faces, hands, and feet in the universe. That's basically, we are all, for me, I feel like when I hear that, it's not just stating we are all part of God, we are all part of the same entity, but also that there's no one outside of God. So, you know, there's no one separate. We may not recognize that due to Maya, but we're all, we're all part of this, and God is using all of us 
I hear people, or I should say during the, the, the plague days of the last few years, and um, YouTube doesn't like certain words, during the plague days I would hear Christians say, oh, God has left us. He's laughing at us. He's gone. We're, we're without God. No, no, I don't think so. I used to say, or, um, oh, some people in this world are so evil that they don't have God and God, you know, they're just doing their own thing. God's waiting for them. This is not really saying that. I don't get this feeling from this. I get the feeling that, no, God is using all of us for a divine plan that we cannot understand. And it may be ugh, a rough plan, but we're not God, so we don't see the big picture. Also, one more thing I want to point out, it talks about heaven. And I just I just read a quote from that in the beginning of verse three. So much heaven. I I have translation issues on this channel. I've mentioned it many times. This text I don't know who it was translated by. Uh, Swami Chayage Sananda. Don't know who that is. But heaven is not a god. You don't see the god heaven in Hinduism. I've never encountered this god heaven. And Lord Vishnu sleeps on the snake Anatana and created Brahman out of this lotus flower. That's not called heaven either. We talk about the planets, Svaloka, and different planets and stuff, which may not be physical planets, they just might be places. But heaven is a word that comes out of Christianity. It is a place where God resides, where those who die then go who are good. It is very specific. There's also a Muslim heaven, and maybe probably, I think, a Jewish heaven. I don't know. It is a Judeo-Christian idea. When I see it in Hindu texts, uh, there is really no equivalent in Hinduism. You don't die and go live in this heaven. You reincarnate and you go back, or you may become one with God. Where there is no heaven, much like there is really no hell in the Christian concept in Hinduism. So when I see this, particularly when it's being referred to as almost a deity-type way, I think someone has translated this deliberately using Christian terminology. If this was a Christian missionary, that would put me on one rant right now. Glad it's not. But it's an Indian, so I think what this Indian has done is used words that Westerners are more familiar with and found that the word heaven yeah, may not be technically the right thing, but if we get rid of a lot of the definition of heaven, if we, we don't, you know, I, heaven is written about in the Bible, but if we don't, if we're not so conscientious of the definition, we just think of it as this place with God, he's using that word to make it easier on us. I guarantee that's what's happening here, because I've seen this in other writings, words that I'm like, this Upanishad was written before Christianity, very likely. So how could it be referring to a place that wasn't really created yet? Or unless it's influenced by Judaism. It just to me, it's, it's a little weird. And I don't know if there was anything else in here that caught my eye. I think there was, and I've forgotten it now. It's just sometimes these translations seem a little bit too post-Christian and too modern. So that either tells us that they're all fraudulent, or they're including modern ideas. And I don't like this. I think it's... I, I think I think a translation can do a lot of harm because then we get this idea of oh well heaven whatever and it's it's not accurate your translation issue is not making you interpret things wrong 
It's really bad. And I talk to friends who are Christians and, and Jewish and others, and they all say the same thing. Translation issue is really bad. I had a Muslim say to me, he goes, if you want to read the Quran, learn Arabic. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You know, and I got that on some level. So, anyways, it's a long video. We'll stop here. As I said, questions, comments, and all that stuff down below. Feel free to argue me with me if you want. Um, I just, you know, the feedback's good no matter what it is. So, with this, we'll end, and I'll say, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry Harry, Harry Rama, Harry Rama, Rama Rama. Harry.